Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. As always, I'm Johnny Mockney. And it's been a little bit since I was talking to you. Um, I finished that long string of Halloween episodes for October and decided to take a little break. And I didn't think it would be as long of a break as it has been. Here we are well into, in fact, near the end of November. And I'm finally getting back to you. Um, It's been a nice break, but... Uh, duty called and I had to return and um, this is also a very special episode that I put off for a while because I wanted it to be perfect and nevertheless here I am at 9 p.m. just kind of uh, putzing around and deciding to record it last minute before Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, So if you're listening to this it's probably Thanksgiving Day In which case, happy Thanksgiving to you. And I'm going to start off with a Thanksgiving movie recommendation as I gave you uh, in years past with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I think two years ago now. Uh, And uh, then we're going to move on to a little Q&A. I asked people through Facebook and through Instagram stories to submit some questions for me to answer. So... I'll be doing that for the very first time in the history of We Are Movies. Uh, and um, I don't know. We'll see how long it goes. This might be a mini-sode. This might be a normal-sized episode. Um, there's no guest today, so I-, I can just gauge the length of this conversation as much as I want. I can end it whenever I want. If a question outrages me, I might just quit, as a matter of fact. But um, I'm happy you could be here with me today glad you're listening and um i'm just gonna get right into this uh this thanksgiving movie um just a couple days ago i watched for the first time this movie called blood rage which um i'm sure like if you're a hardcore horror fan like a like a big fan of like old slashers you're probably familiar with um Specifically, I was drawn to this movie because it's kind of known as being one of the very few, not just one of the very few um, Thanksgiving horror movies, but one of the few Thanksgiving movies altogether. There's really not a whole lot to choose from. Um, You got like planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, you know, Charlie Brown, Home for the Holidays, Uh, I guess 12 Angry Men. I don't know. There's a few out there. and uh, only a few, like a couple select horror movies. Really, besides this one, all I can think of is um, Thanks Killing and Thanks Killing 3, which um, I've not seen Thanks Killing 3. Thanks Killing is, it's a fun time, but it's, it's quite abrasive too. And maybe we'll work towards those movies and talk about them more in depth one day. But I wanted to go with something a little more... A little more laid back, like a little more, um, I don't know, just a little more classic. Something that um, kind of just oozes that old school drive-in charm. And, I mean, this is a movie that begins in a drive-in. It's the very first scene. You see kids making out in these cars. It's like a montage. You see people making the popcorn. And, and that's like the movie telling you that it knows exactly what it is. Um and now Blood Rage is about these two twin boys, uh, identical twins, and when in their childhood, one of them decides to murder a man and frame the other one for the murder. So uh, their names are Terry and Todd. 
So Todd is the one who's framed for the murder, and he ends up going to prison, uh, like juvie. Um, and then uh, Terry is the one who actually committed the murder, and he stays home. And then uh, many years later, uh, when it comes for Todd to be released from um, from prison or from the kind of what's va- they call it the school, but it's kind of like in a I don't know, an asylum of sorts. He's committed in some way. Um, He ends up leaving. Uh, It's kind of vague. He's like set up for release, but then he ends up breaking out. Um, And then it's also, I mean, specifically, it's Thanksgiving night. And uh, coincidentally, Todd decides to, or Terry decides to go on another killing spree. While Todd, having escaped from the institution, is... um, sort of trying to track down Terry. And meanwhile, everyone thinks that Todd is the one killing all these people in very gruesome ways. And so this is just a really creative twist, I think, on the um, the escaped mental patient genre of slasher movies that I think is mostly attributed to the original Halloween. Um, you can see it in movies like Final Exam also, or tr- uh, Trick or Treats. Um it's a it's a, it's it's a never failing formula, I might say. But uh, this one really puts a twist on it that I enjoyed. Um, both twins are portrayed by an actor named Mark Soper, and he's fantastic in the movie. Like he really embodies two incredibly different characters. Um, his portrayal of Todd the somewhat of the antagonist or sorry the protagonist of the story todd um the one who's who leaves the asylum um he plays him with um just like a lot of like like you know he he seems on edge he's a little weird and it makes sense he's got the mind of a child you know that's one thing that they establish in the movie and so he totally seems like a guy who would kill someone in a movie meanwhile um terry who could be portrayed as disturbed is played as like very charming and suave and he's very fun to watch like he's uh um just like a very easygoing comforting presence and when you actually do see him becoming like a like actually acting as a murderer he's a joking, like almost Freddy Krueger like murder, like really taking glee in what he does. So, um, it's an interesting movie. It's for the most part kind of has like, it's, it's got a very straightforward tone. And then like, unlike, you know, certain mainstream 80 slashers of the time, like the, the Friday the 13th movies and whatever, this movie is pretty gruesome. Like the gore is in your face. There's, um, like uh, from the first, kill there's this feeling of like oh okay that's what we're getting and um it never really lets up i I do think it it um it plays a little bit too much with like this sort of like evil dead-esque camp in some of the murders like there's a woman who gets chopped in half and like her legs are still kind of wiggling afterwards there's a guy who gets his hand chopped off and his fingers are moving and you know it's fun uh it definitely pushes the envelope a little bit this is another movie where there are a lot of like off-screen kills and even those are pretty fun when you end up like discovering the bodies later um so it's just a really good time if you're a fan of uh 
good corny slashers. It is a tight movie at a brisk 82 minutes. Like, you really can't go wrong with it. Um, I popped some popcorn, uh, had some candy, uh, and just, uh, excuse me. I just yawned on my own podcast. Anyway, um, I just uh, had a great time with it. So it's on Shudder if you're looking for it. Uh, Highly recommend Shudder if you're a horror fan. Um, If you don't have Shudder, it's probably up for like rental somewhere. Oh, it's also on Apple TV Plus and on AMC Plus. So, oh, and Canopy. So... Arrow Video, uh, they're like it's streaming on a lot of places. Otherwise, you can rent it for one ninety nine everywhere else. So uh, definitely check out Blood Rage if you want to see if you want like a festive slasher movie for this very specific time of the year because uh, it's not Christmas season yet. It's not Christmas season till Black Friday. Don't listen to anyone who tells you otherwise. Now, um, I am going to move on to some Q&A questions that were submitted. Um, Thank you to everybody who submitted a question. Um, Some of these are friends of the show, friends of me, and then some are just fans. So um, that being said, um, we're going to start with something kind of simple. Uh, This question is from James Couture. And he said, do you prefer a film that has a star attached for mass appeal or a discovered debut talent? And um, my answer to that is, uh, I mean, it's really, look, it really depends on the film. But uh, I'll be totally honest. Like, obviously, like, I love watching a movie with, like, an undiscovered actor that really kills it. And, you know, I do get that. Not often as I'd like to, you know, every now and then you get like a Florida project or something and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's, where did you find these people? And they like, and they're amazing. Um, but there's also like, I get so excited for like movies where maybe an actor known for like a certain persona or a certain type of movie is kind of challenged a bit or kind of, or maybe utilized very well in a really creative way. Um, or just like kind of if we build upon all the baggage that comes with their career and their status as a star at that point. Um, an example of that would be like Sylvester Stallone in Copland. You know, I think that's like impeccable casting. And that's the kind of stuff like I get really excited about. So like anytime like, you know, Tarantino brings back, you know, an actor like a Kurt Russell or a Bruce Dern or somebody like that. Like I'm always excited about Kurt Russell. A couple of times has been used this way. S Craig Zoller too. the way that S Craig Zoller uses, um, Kurt Russell and bone Tomahawk and, uh, um, Vince Vaughn in brawl and cell block 99 and dragged across concrete. Uh, uh, Don Johnson, just like all these like guys that, you know, we, 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 Vince Vaughn especially is like a guy I get really excited about seeing now because he, you know, I've appreciated him more as a comedic actor over the time, but then like, uh, then I just, I, I see him kind of challenge himself more as an actor and do, and like, what, he disappears in these roles and you realize like, all right, that's like, he's like a 6'5 dude with a booming voice. Like, how has he been 
pigeonholed into comedy for so much of his career. Um, so those are some examples. I would say the ones that excite me the most are those examples where it is like a famous person kind of, you know, well, kind of pushing themselves or doing something different or, or just a really smart application of a famous person's talents and their status. Um, I, uh, I would even say like, uh, I mean, speaking of Florida project, that is a good examples of undiscovered talent, but also like an actor like Willem Dafoe who like, you know, shows up in that movie and absolutely murders. And it's like, you know, I get excited for that stuff. It's hard to get excited for unknown actors just because they're unknown. So you don't really have know what to expect. But it's always great to see them. Like, I always think that's just a really good idea <laughs> sometimes, you know. Um, anyway, moving on from that. Uh, this question is from Sopamachni. Who does your hair? Uh, my hair is done by Victoria at Fluid in East Lansing. Um... Uh, she's great. She pretty much knows what I want every time. Uh, I got a couple questions from Fabrizio Torero. Uh, he says, uh, what's one acclaimed movie you have no interest in seeing? So I thought about this for a while. And I want to make it clear, I don't, like, there's no movie that I refuse to see. Like, I'll see anything. But there are certain movies that, like, I've been told are good, but I just have no... I have nothing pushing me to see them. And that's a decision. And especially when a movie's not in theaters and stuff. And you're just choosing what to watch at home. Every movie is competing with every movie ever made. And so these are just movies that I never like have the gumption to choose to watch. And um, I, I made a couple choices here. But I think they all fall into like a very similar category. And that's that I just... Uh, it's like those late 90s, early 2000s Oscar Beatty movies, a lot of which are like quite acclaimed. Some of them are in, you know, like the top, the IMDb top 250, uh, which is kind of a meme. <laughs> but um, uh, movies like The Talented Mr. Ripley, American Beauty, Finding Forrester, A Beautiful Mind, you know, these are movies that like I hear good things about. I might watch them someday, you know, like I I'm not opposed to watching them. If somebody says, this, if, if somebody tells me a beautiful mind is my favorite movie of all time, will you watch it and shows it to me? Like, like I'll watch it. Like I'm not refusing anything. I just, I don't know on my own to just make that decision. I don't think I would. There's other movies that kind of fall into that category too, that I feel the same way about where it's like, you know, there's other genres of movies, you know, slasher movies, uh, spaghetti Westerns. Um, uh, you know, certain like poverty row, uh, noirs and stuff like that, where it's not hard to get me to watch them. I'll just be like, Oh, Oh, one guy says they're good. All right. I'll watch it. Um, you know, any Italian exploitation movie for the most part, that's me. I'm just a sicko. I'm just a lowbrow moron. <laughs> um, no, I do love a lot of, you know, traditionally loved movies too but yeah it's just those 90s 2000s oscar baby movies i don't know what it is um anyway moving on uh i also got another question from fabrizio what's the most intense argument you've had about a movie um so one movie that i've really gotten into some heated back and forths on uh is the last jedi uh, which is a movie I don't like, I don't really fight about anymore. I just don't really fight about movies much anymore. 
Like, I'll passionately defend what I think about something, but if someone doesn't love something I love, I now just kind of feel, like, this, like, pity for them. It's just like, well, I, you know, I wish you could see what I see. Like, too bad. You're lost, you know? Um, but I just remember the discourse around The Last Jedi when it came out, and I was so mad about it. And uh, it was just like, I felt like so many people weren't, you know, they were just upset with it for superficial reasons and weren't appreciating that it was, like... And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not some kind of big blockbuster defender. Like, I think the majority of them are boring and, uh, like, hard to get through sometimes. Like, the Jurassic Worlds of the world, you know? Like, all these movies that, like, um, I think are kind of trash. But, like, The Last Jedi was genuinely, like... That's kind of why I loved it so much and why I was such an avid defender. I was, I was like, this is, like so much like bolder and more interesting and so much like more so much like better made than a lot of these big tentpole blockbusters that come out and um it was just i remember uh wayne crow and i really went back and forth on facebook about this for like for weeks i felt like um i don't think i'd have the energy to do something like that again and I, especially i have less defense for it now that rise of skywalker's come out and kind of blundered that whole storyline so i'm just like ah you know whatever but um i still love the last jedi i think ryan johnson is a really good filmmaker um i like all of his movies i would say um uh also sort of second place to that um uh, my ex-girlfriend I, I showed her the exorcist uh, a couple of Halloweens ago, and she did not like it, and uh, she didn't even like hate it or anything. But it's just a movie that I, I think I, I got very defensive of because I was just like, I was like, how could you not like it? And that, that's another thing where I don't think I would do that today either. <laughs> I just don't have that. I don't have that stamina in me, that kind of drive, and I'm not like as emotionally affected by people not liking uh, a movie that I like. I do think it was a bit different. Like when it's your girlfriend, it's like somebody whose opinion matters much more to you and you know um and you want them to love everything you love and very simply they won't and that's okay you know you gotta prioritize some things in the end the exorcist was not more important to me than my girlfriend was so um but uh yeah that is a movie that i, I just remember i think it's like anytime i feel like somebody's just not properly criticizing a movie like that always sets me off uh mary telly if you're out there she she remembers uh, me getting really heated about robocop also um so uh anyway moving on um this is so there's two questions here robert lies asked what's your top five least favorite movies and then Braden cooley a regular guest on the podcast said top 10 least favorite movies so for both of you i will give my top 10 least favorite movies i kind of cobbled this together right before recording um megan is missing is maybe my least favorite movie of all time i think it's like horrendously made and also like really disgusting it's one of those movies that kind of like masquerades as like a, a cautionary tale for young people but it's really just like gross exploitation and you know me you know that i like exploitation when it's done when it's done well and like a lot of you know like a lot of exploitation is like made by like these kind of genre tours and uh megan is missing is just absolute garbage and um 
really difficult to watch and uh not even like in the ways that it wants to be like it wants to be disturbing at the end and it's just very it just feels gross in this way that's not like the movie's succeeding at making you feel uncomfortable but more like you feel like the people who made this movie are just kind of gross <laughs> um like gross la slimeball people that don't know how to make a movie um let there be light directed by kevin sorbo is uh is like just absolute trash um uh, I would say, like, kind of an evil movie, too. Um, you know, it's 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 not by Pure Flix. It kind of falls in the Pure Flix mold. Um, if you remember, you know, like, Pure Flix is that company that makes, like, all these, like, fake movies that are Christian movies, like, God's Not Dead. And I think they, you know, they, they, hit a, they struck gold with the God's Not Dead movies, but they've done a lot of films. And... Uh, you know their movies are bad. Like they're 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 barely movies because they're not made by filmmakers. They're made by like preachers who decided to take up filmmaking. So, and this isn't like an anti-Christian thing on my part. Um, there are a lot of great Christian movies by actual filmmakers who don't rely on an independent company, like entirely founded on the idea of only making. Uh, christian films but i mean the god's not dead movie stuff like that that doesn't like make me mad i think for the most part those movies are like harmless um you know despite some bad messages in them like it's whatever it's just bad it's kind of a meme uh, like i'll watch those to make fun of them uh but let there be light which i don't think is by pure flicks it's actually executive produced by sean hannity <laughs> from fox news uh directed by and starring kevin sorbo who was uh, Hercules on Hercules Legendary Journeys. Um, now, a bit of a crackpot. Uh, <laughs> uh, was He was the star also of God's Not Dead. He's the atheist professor in that movie. And in this, he plays like kind of a... This sort of like smarmy atheist, like kind of Bill Maher type a little bit. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's he's met with a vision of his dead son, uh, which makes him believe in God again. And that seems like simple enough, but then there's like, it's like the movie also like has all these caricatures in it of like gay people that it doesn't really like the movie hates Islam in like a really weird way. Like people keep bringing up ISIS, which is really strange. There's like, the movie's trying to be this like uplifting Christian film and people keep talking about ISIS in the movie it's it feels weird not look i'm not <laughs> i'm not condoning isis obviously but it's like you know the 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 motives of the movie are like a little too clear and in like this very dour depressing like kind of cynical way like it doesn't end with like a concert the way that god's not like god's not dead ends with the um uh the newsboys you know performing that song and it's got the the duck dynasty guy and the movie's like having fun you know and then like this movie is just like just absolute dour just train wreck sean hannity shows up playing himself and it's like it's just there's no energy and the movie the movie legitimately feels like very like morally repugnant <laughs> in a lot of like in the way that it's going about preaching Christianity. It's doing it in a way that's like very hateful of anything that's not Christianity. 
Um, uh, for third, the f- third least favorite movie, it's kind of a tie between like all those Friedberg Seltzer parody movies, disaster movie, day movie, epic movie, all that stuff. Those are barely movies. Um, Jaws for the Revenge. It's just, it's a sequel to one of my top two favorite movies of all time. And just, I think the worst one of the series, I think Jaws 3D is bad, but it's at least kind of fun. Like particularly if you watch in 3D, Jaws 4 just has nothing. It's a depressing uh just you know like lifeless slog um absolutely ridiculous it has these schlocky elements with like Lorraine gary having a psychic connection with the shark that just doesn't it's not fun it's not like fun bad it's just very slow um the shark gets up on its tail and roars like a lion at one point that might be the best part of the movie but yeah no not good at all um Attack the Clones, uh, I think is the worst Star Wars movie. Rich Evans from Red Letter Media once, I think, aptly put it, um, uh, Attack of the Clones adjusted for its budget is the worst movie of all time. Um, which, you know, like, yeah, a, a movie that expected, uh, that expensive, like, just should not be that, just that inexplicably terrible. Um... Dead Girl, sort of a lesser-known movie. I watched it because one of my friend's dads has has a small role in it. Um, not much to say about it. I think it's terrible. Uh, kind of trying to be like a disturbing horror movie. Um, and it is disturbing. Like, it actually does kind of get under my skin. But, like, in a very, like, with through, like, very incompetent filmmaking. It's one of those movies that disturbs me... Um, Partially, and maybe similarly to Megan is Missing, in this way that's, like, it feels like the people who are making it just don't even understand, like, really the implications of what they're doing. And, um, uh, just, like, morally repugnant as a movie. And, and horribly made, too. Like, really, like, you can see all the seams of the film. Um, Candyman 3, uh... what's what's that what's candyman 3 called candyman 3 day of the dead i I talked about this one a little bit just a couple episodes ago with kamisha uh it's awful it's god awful uh one of the worst horror sequels of all time particularly after uh the first candyman which is a masterpiece and candyman farewell to the flesh which is really good uh this movie is just just it's baffling to watch it really like from the very first scene it's like oh no this this is it this is what we're doing um it's really really uncomfortable (laughs) like like i wanted i've never wanted a movie to be over as fast as i wanted this one to be over um just go with it with adam sandler and jennifer aniston uh not one of the worst movies of all time but I, i think i just remember when this came out and like people were obsessed with it like a lot of people i knew really liked it and i I think it's one of the unfunniest comedies i've ever seen like uh and i don't hate adam sandler i i I think he's a i think he's a very funny affable guy and he has some really good movies um i just yeah no it's it's very bad i think um nick swartzen just like just sucking the life out of every single thing he does <laughs> and i mean no disrespect to nick swartzen you know i'm sure he's a nice guy but like you know um uh yeah adam sandler has two incredibly hot women attracted to him in the movie he's a womanizer in the movie <laughs> that's that's part of the plot anyway um 
moving on from that, The Green Berets, directed by and starring John Wayne. Another kind of morally repugnant movie, this like pro-Vietnam movie made during Vietnam. And don't get me wrong, there's plenty of movies I like that have messages I don't agree with, but this is just like... It's just a bad movie. It's so bloated. It's like two hours and 20-something minutes. Uh, very poorly executed. John Wayne was not a good director. I love a lot of John Wayne films that he stars in. You know, all the movies he did with, like, John Ford, Howard Hawks. He did a lot of really good stuff. But, uh, yeah, no. Green Berets is is trash. <laughs> One of the worst war movies of all time. Um, and then... Um, this one kind of breaks my heart to put on the list, but it is one that I think just hits me in a way that I just, I really don't like this movie. I, um, and it hits me like personally because I love so many other films by this filmmaker. And in fact, I would say this is still one of my favorite filmmakers, but Diary of the Dead by George Romero is like unwatchable almost to me. I, I have only gotten through it once. And um, I think it's one of the, worst examples of the found footage genre of just like it's a perfect example of a director not making something that they understand and that was during a period where george romero was really trying to like fit in and do something you know different uh and kind of something with the times you know and it, it just wasn't for him that's not him he's a regional filmmaker from pittsburgh you know he He's, a, he's sort of a blue-collar industrial filmmaker. He's not a guy who's supposed to make a found footage movie about the internet and getting clicks and stuff. And uh, it's just, it's absurd. There's a lot of, it's just like, movies like this need to have more realism for one thing. And everyone still talks like they're a movie character. Um, just shockingly bad, I think, towards the end. Particularly after, like, I think, I think Romero's an incredible filmmaker. And, um... I really don't want to make it about like trashing him. Um, it's just a uh, yeah. It's particularly after following the original, you know, trilogy of Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead, which I think is a perfect trilogy. And then Land of the Dead isn't terrible either. So it's just a real like steep quality drop off uh, to Diary of the Dead. Anyway, um, the next question that I have uh, is from. Uh, Nick Lydorf, who says, why is the Big Lebowski episode with Nick Lydorf the greatest podcast episode ever? Um, uh, very simply because it was uh, one of very few that was filmed or the recorded in a hotel room <laughs> at the Residence Inn. Um, so it was, it was very intimate compared to all of the others. I, I, I enjoyed that one. Um, uh, come back on the podcast, Nick. Um, I didn't practice an answer to that, by the way, but it was recorded in a hotel room. That was in a weird in-between. I wasn't really living anywhere where I could uh, record, and that was pre-Zoom, before COVID happened, and I learned that I could just record with people without being in the same room as them. Um, this question is from my dad, John Mockney. Um, who's your favorite parent? Um, uh, probably Chevy Chase in the vacation movies. Um... He also asked another question. What is your favorite B movie of all time? Now this is difficult because it's just like what what qualifies as a B movie? Like a B movie, it was a literal term. Like it meant the second half of a double feature, right? Like, uh, um, it, which was usually kind of a lower budgeted, um, you know, just like 
something that you counted on a lot of people wouldn't stay for it people would leave during it you know it was it, they were there mainly for the a movie the main attraction and now it's kind of this term that's kind of used for any sort of like low budget um kind of uh a schlocky entertainment of some kind like a grindhouse movie um so i mean if we're using that definition i think one of them the one that really floats to the top for me is pieces um which is just an incredible exploitation movie which was recommended to me by um brett hayden a regular guest on the podcast it's directed by a filmmaker named juan picure simon um i think it's a, a spanish film um just uh just incredible one of the greatest like slasher craze movies of all time absolutely bonkers it's got a cameo by a bruce exploitation star in it uh it's it's uh I, I don't even really want to reveal anything about it, but the, the, the violence is gnarly. It's got some really funny moments. Um, just dr- jaw-dropping ending where it comes out of nowhere. Leaves you thinking, like, what did I watch? Um, so I highly recommend Pieces to anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, another question. This is from Jim Grauberg. He said, what is the greatest sequel movie of all time? Um... Oh boy, that's a good question, Jim. Um, you know, a lot of people say like Godfather Part Two. I think that's up there for sure. Um, so there's a couple answers to this. Like, if you count them as sequels, like a fist, uh, for a few dollars more and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, I think are two of the greatest of all time. That's if you consider them sequels. Some people don't. It's really kind of it's part of the Dollars trilogy, and Clint Eastwood sort of vaguely plays the same character in all three. But if you don't count it, I get it. Um, another one you might not count as sequels, uh, as I mentioned before, the Romero trilogy. Um, either of those I would also pick, offer up. Um, I mean, the go-to answer is like, what, Terminator 2? Terminator 2 is awesome. I do love that movie um uh i mean any sequel that like improves on the previous movie is all, i mean like okay all right, if i'm being objective greatest of all time is probably the godfather too like it's the flawless movie i think and really does build on a lot of a lot that's it's like it builds up perfectly it sets up like a lot of what's set up in the first film um and um you know, it's dual storylines in the movie are just uh, incredibly done. Um, so, like, just masterful storytelling. Um, yeah, I mean, those are probably my main choices. As far as personal choices go, Die Hard with a Vengeance is also one of my favorites. Um, Lethal Weapon 2, I think, is great. Um psycho 2 actually oh my gosh psycho 2 is one of the greatest sequels of all time in my opinion directed by richard franklin um if you haven't seen psycho 2 and you're a fan of the first psycho i highly recommend it i think it's awesome uh and you know anthony perkins and vera miles both return for that movie it's one of those movies it's like a lot of people hear about it and they're like what psycho 2 and they like scoff at it but like 
it's great guys and most people who watch it actually love it like it has very positive reviews i'm not just i'm not like the one guy speaking out for psycho 2 here it's really good it's just kind of underseen and kind of i think it's easier to rent it off based on the title but yeah sequel to alfred hitchcock's original psycho and it's uh it's really good uh shot by my favorite cinematographer dean cundy as well um all right uh and the last question uh is from jack williams and he asked me what was the inspiration for starting the podcast um you know this came about i think i was uh it was my sophomore year of college um yeah, and I've been toying with starting a podcast for a while. I don't know if you can tell by now, but I'm a person who likes to talk a lot. Um, but also, like, I like to, you know, I have a lot of thoughts and whatever, and I like talking to people, and I've always, like, toyed with it, and I've listened to podcasts for so long. I love movie podcasts. Uh, Shout-outs to uh, The Important Cinema Club, uh, The Movies That Made Me, uh, Film Spotting, um, a lot of great ones out there. And then like movie YouTubers, I was always like a big Red Letter Media fan, uh, growing up. Um, Renegade Cut, uh, shout out to that guy. Great, like political, um, movie guy. And then like some of the other, fun, like Chris Stuckman or like the Double Toasted guys, you know, I really grew up on those guys and obviously Double Toasted used to be Spill. Um, and I, you know, and I still like watch them occasionally from, from time to time. Um, and I've met Chris Stuckman, actually. He's, he's a wonderful guy. So, um, and then I, I think in, like, college, early college, I was really getting into, like, long-form conversations on podcasts. Like, uh, you know, like, I was listening to, like, Mark Marin and Joe Rogan and all of these guys who would talk to someone for a while uh, and really delve into stuff. You know, say what you want about Joe Rogan. Uh, like, d- definitely, like, has he really kind of redefined the podcast like in that you could just have like a multiple hour conversation with somebody that's like fairly unedited which this podcast isn't unedited i definitely put editing into it and also they're not as long as joe rogan's (laughs) podcast and and there's a little more structure um but um you know that was something i was interested in and i think that's like gives a lot of value to the podcast i was listening to them a lot as i went to classes and stuff and i found myself just going through hours of podcasts like while like um you know multitasking and i think people are busy and like it's great to like make a product for people of if you're doing like film criticism or any kind of interview show or something that they can consume while they're doing other stuff while they're driving while they're exercising doing chores whatever um and so that that it was kind of a marriage of those two things. I wanted to do like a long form interview show because I also wanted an excuse to interview people. I wanted to like kind of um, you know dissect the brains of various people I know and people I don't know as well too to try to get guests. I've swung a couple of bigger guests on this podcast that I don't know personally, like Richard Reilly and John Russo, and I've I have fun doing that and obviously just like kind of laid back talks with some of my friends like Brayden uh and then like you know Trevor and some of my my comic friends uh Brett you know and then like kind of these more intellectual conversations with like you know uh, Jordan Schoenig and Justice Neeland uh people like that uh like my professors and stuff um so I I love I love the variety of the podcasts I really do um and and movies are the, just the thing I know best so I think by keeping it kind of circulating around 
that that's like, you know, it's a good way to kind of focus it and keep me sticking to what I know. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's a loose format. I, I, the, the thesis statement of the podcast has always been like getting people to know, getting to know people through the movies that they love. Um, it's about movies and it's about people. Um, I think, I think of the name, I think the description I have is a podcast about movies and the people that love them, which, which I stand by. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I think that's it. That's all of our questions. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up and post this out there. Um, if you've made it this far to episode 100, as a fan of the show, if you're a new fan, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, I would do this. If I had one audience member, I would do this if I had a, a billion. Um, obviously, a billion is always better because, you know, it just kind of adds, it feels, like, it feels like it adds value to all the effort that you're putting into it. Um, but, uh, you know, I love I love you if you're listening. Um, thank you so much for being a fan, um, for coming back uh, to this sort of ever-evolving show that I have going on here. And... Um, I'll be back again with you very soon with uh, a bunch more guests. I have, you know, like five or six lined up right now. Um, I'm talking to you people who have never been on the podcast before, so non-returning guests, um, which is always nice, always a little daring too. You're always like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, so I'm excited. Um, but uh, keep watching movies. Check out uh, check out Blood Rage if you haven't. Um, it's a lot of fun. And happy Thanksgiving. Um, oh, also, uh, if you want to and you haven't yet, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at We Are Movies Pod. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Johnny Mockney, J O H N N Y M O C N Y. That is all I have for you today. I will be back with you very soon. And uh, until then, gobble, gobble. I don't know. I, I phoned this one in. I'm sorry. All right. See you in episode 101.